from Hollywood, I'm Martin Grove, welcoming you to our Screen Dollars podcast, Box Office Autopsy. Right now, we'll look at the movie marketplace and analyze how things are going and where they're going sharing some opinions from my perspective after decades of talking about Hollywood on CNN Entertainment Tonight and as a Hollywood Reporter columnist. was a bad weekend at the box office, but that's good news. Universal and DreamWorks Animation's The Bad Guys knocked Dumbledore out of first place, opening to an overperforming $24 million, another great reminder that families have come back to theaters. We'll start today by focusing on the bad guys, as well as the arrivals of the Northmen and the unbearable weight of massive talent, and our Oscar Outlook Spotlight will be on Netflix's stock crash and what it could mean for the streamer's future as a Best Picture Oscar contender producer. As for the bad guys, the PG animated comedy adventure kicked off to $24 million at 4,008 theaters. That's massively more than anybody was expecting. Exhibs were thinking 10 to 13 million, while the media figured 12 to 15 million. Late in the week, the media bumped that up to 21 to 22 million, but even that turned out to be low. It helps that bad's playing only in theaters, and that critics liked it, with 85% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and audiences gave it 93%, which means great word of mouth. This quick clip shows why people love the bad guys. You guys away for so long, your fleas will have fleas! Chicken! You want some cake? You seem a little hangry. <laughs> Get that thing out of my face before Excuse I. Excuse me, Chief. What? We may be bad, but we're so good at it. (laughs) Bad, which reportedly cost $70 million to produce, has done $63 million internationally for a worldwide cum of $87 million. 
Focus features and new regencies R-rated Vikings drama The Northman, starring Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman, opened fourth to $12 million, beating the 8 to $11 million estimates exhibitors were thinking about, and much better than the media's 8 to $10 million projection. It reportedly cost $70 million to produce after tax credits. Northman benefited from critical applause, with 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, but just 68% from audiences, which is not the kind of you-gotta-see-this-movie talk that sells tickets. But if you're in the 18-34 male demo that Northman resonates best with, this scene should send you to see it. your brother's gaze in amazement. I knew well you would. Pity you never paid a bastard's eyes heed before. Now, behold how swiftly your brother swings his sword. Strike, brother. Strike. But know that bearing a stolen ring makes no half-breed a king. Soaked in my blood, twill soon be sliding off your arm like a serpent. Your kingdom will not last. Let this misdeed haunt your living nights. Till a flaming vengeance gorgeous on your death. Strike. Strike! The weekend's third newcomer, Lionsgate's R-rated action drama The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage, opened fifth to $7.2 million at the low end of exhibitor estimates of 7 to 9 million and way less than the media crowd's 10 to 15 million dollar range it reportedly cost 30 million to produce check out this clip and you'll know if unbearable goes on your must see list i don't know if i'm losing my mind but i'm pretty sure that's the actor nick cage from moonstruck moonstruck no, from face off wait 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 why is Nick Cage on this plane? You know what? We're pulling out. I don't like this. Get out of there. No. What do you mean? No, 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 no. What are you doing? Vivian, what are you doing? Thank you. This is our shot. No, get out. Vivian, get the... Nicholas Cage! Oh, my God! You're so awesome! I love you! Oh, thank you. Oh, me and my nephew Raymond just watched Croods 2. Dude, crack up! 
Can I get a selfie? Sure. Oh, no, no, I like that movie, too. Yeah, you did so uh, good in that movie, man. Yeah, I goodness. made that movie with Emma Stone. You it's did? One of my favorites. Well, you were the best. Oh, thank you. We so look good. Say, say, say hi to your nephew for me. Okay. Raymond. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you. All right, bye. <laughs> Critics liked Unbearable with 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, while its audience score was an okay 87%. Now, Nicolas Cage reportedly is not active on social media, and that is something that makes a huge difference these days in the marketing of movies. Nicolas Cage on social media might have made a difference, but at this point, as they say in Hollywood, it's too late. Meanwhile, as expected, Dumbo tumbled in Weekend 2. Warner Brothers and Heyday Films' Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore dropped 67% from first to third place with 14 million, and a domestic cum of 67.1 million. Given its production cost, reportedly $200 million, the new Warner Brothers Discovery team is perhaps debating the franchise's future. The only bright spot right now is its ticket sales overseas of $213.2 million, giving it a global cum of $280.3 million. The week's biggest headlines, however, were from Wall Street, not Hollywood. As financial analysts beat up Netflix, which just reported first quarter losses of 200,000 subscribers and said it expected to see 2 million more subscribers depart in the second quarter. Wall Street's attack on Netflix couldn't have been timed better for exhibitors, coming right before the annual CinemaCon meeting of exhibs and distribs in Las Vegas from April 25th through the 28th, as studios trumpet their upcoming tentpoles like Tom Cruise in Paramount and Skydance Media's Top Gun Maverick, which will be screened in full at CinemaCon and hits theaters May 27th for Memorial Day weekend. Exhibs will breathe easier seeing the street turn against streaming just as it did against exhibition during COVID's darkest days. Analysts loved streaming because it was new technology with what they thought was a sky's-the-limit upside for investors. That was when most movie theaters were shut to keep the public safe, although airlines could still pack people in like sardines. The street figured that with cinemas closed, people would get into the streaming habit and not want to return to theaters. But once the pandemic eased, People were eager to start seeing films the best way in theaters with friends and hot buttered popcorn. Younger men were the first to come back, opening Sony and Marvel's Spider-Man No Way Home to just over $260 million last December. Families and adults took longer to return, but they have. Now, moviegoers have a strong summer of event films to see, starting with Disney and Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, opening May 6th and already sizzling on tracking. Meanwhile, Netflix just saw $54 billion of its market capital wiped out because Wall Street has zero tolerance 
for being wrong. We've also got Netflix in our Oscar Outlook Spotlight today, since by turning up the heat on Netflix, Wall Street's reshaping how the streamer moves forward, and that could chill its expensive efforts to win Oscars. For years, Netflix has attracted A-list filmmakers by dangling in front of them not just gold, but Oscar gold, too. By committing to give top filmmakers spare-no-expense production money and costly awards marketing, Netflix countered those bold-faced names' reluctance to make movies for viewing at home rather than in theaters. With skilled in-house awards marketers and robust budgets to spend, Netflix has had many top Oscar contenders, like Alfonso Cuarón's Roma, 10 nominations in 2019, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, 10 nominations in 2020, David Fincher's Mank, 10 nominations in 2021, and Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, 12 nominations in 2022. They were all front runners, but none of them won Best Picture. Until this year, when Apple TV Plus won for CODA, the media always explained that no streamer had ever won Oscar's top prize. Looking ahead, Netflix will likely find a way to get back in the streets' good graces, perhaps by running ads, releasing some films for limited theatrical runs, streaming live sports, adding video games, and squeezing the last dollar out of subscribers' passwords. But its wildly expensive Oscar game now seems less important to its future. Next weekend will be the calm before the storm, May 6th, when Disney and Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness opens to what could easily be north of $125 million or more, or quite possibly much more. As for next weekend, the only wide release will be Briar Cliff and Open Road's R-rated action thriller, Memory, a hitman tale from Martin Campbell, director of the 2006 Bond film Casino Royale, and starring Liam Neeson. Tracking shows strong, definite interest scores for men, as you'd expect. Men over 25 are the top demo at 11 points over norm, and men under 25 are next best with 7 points over norm. Early media projections are in the modest $3 to $5 million range. Even though we're only hearing this quick scene from memory, you'll know if you're going to be there opening weekend. A 13-year-old been relocated to a group home. Was that here last night? Yes. What's wrong? You sure? Hugo thinks he's a pro settling scores. Trafficking, Vincent Sierra. I can't keep doing your job for you. Who is this? You're too slow to make them pay. What they did to children. They're not doing anything about it. He's taking out the traffickers that we couldn't. He's interfering with an international investigation. You said he wasn't going to be a problem. I've done crazy things. Why don't you and I just have a talk? I know you're not well. No time for that. 
If I'm dead, you'll never know the truth. Stand down! I want to believe that you're a good man, Vincent. If I can't finish this, you have to. But they have to be punished. Which side of this do you really want to be on? I want justice. And that wraps things up for today, but please join us again next week on Box Office Autopsy to find out how memory opens and how well this weekend's trio of newcomers holds up. For now, thanks very much for listening. Time now for our film flashback look at what was happening in Hollywood right around now, way back then. Let's set today's time travel dial for April 26, 1924. It's been 98 years since MGM was founded April 26, 1924. But some of the biggest problems that confronted the new film studio are still plaguing Hollywood. New York theater magnate Marcus Lowe formed MGM to get the volume of movies he needed for his growing theater circuit. Metro Pictures, which he bought for $3 million in 1920, couldn't supply him with enough films. Buying financially troubled Goldwyn Pictures for $4.7 million plus $600,000 for stock owned by Sam Goldwyn, who'd already left Goldwyn Pictures, got him a 46-acre studio, a growling lion logo, and a roster of top acting and directing talent. But Lowe felt Goldwyn's management wasn't up to running the new studio, so on the advice of his attorney, J. Robert Rubin, he hired indie producer Louis B. Mayer. Lowe acquired Mayer, his small studio, and his boy wonder production assistant Irving Thalberg for just $76,500. Mayer and Thalberg soon found they'd inherited two big production problems from Goldwyn. The drama Greed was being finished by the notoriously difficult director Eric von Stroheim. His final cut ran 40 reels, about six hours. After weeks of pressure, he'd trimmed it to 24 reels, running about three and a half hours. Then, Mayer and Thalberg put an editor to work, chopping off two more reels. They told von Stroheim this was the final version, and finally he got the message to start working on his next project. They faced a worse problem with the action epic Ben-Hur, based on General Lou Wallace's 1880 novel, which director Charles Braben had been shooting in Italy since October 1923. Realizing it was a disaster, Lowe had Mayer secretly assemble a new team to take over in Italy. Director Fred Niblo, screenwriter Bess Meredith, and Raymond Navarro to replace George Walsh in the title role. 
Lowe sailed to Italy in July, broke the bad news, and supervised the changeover before returning to New York in August. But the new team didn't do any better, as Mayer found out on a visit to Rome months later. He and Thalberg decided the only way out was to shut down in Italy, build massive new sets in Culver City, and complete production there. That's where the legendary chariot race was shot by second unit director B. Reeves Eason and 62 assistant directors using 42 cameras and 200,000 feet of film. Production finally wrapped in August 1925. Ben-Hur wound up costing nearly $4 million, over $60 million today, making it Hollywood's most expensive silent movie. Its worldwide release brought MGM $9 million, but thanks to Goldwyn's very expensive original deal for the film rights, it didn't return a profit until it was re-released in 1931. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another box office autopsy next week. In Hollywood for Screen Dollars, I'm Martin Grove.